ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد تلذم وستاد بالحديث جابر ابن عبد الله جابر ابن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج عام الفتح إلى مكة في رمضان فصام حتى بلغ كراع الغميم فصام الناس ثم دعا بقدح من ماء فرفعه حتى نظر الناس إليه ثم شربه فقيل له بعد ذلك إن بعض الناس قد صام فقال أولئك العصات أولئك العصات وفي لفظ فقيل له إن بعض الناس قد شق عليهم الصيام وإنما ينتظرون فيما فعلت فدعا بقدح من ماء بعد العصر فشربه رواه مسلم This hadith now of Jabir ibn Abdullah is talking about the topic of traveling and fasting What is the ruling for fasting when traveling? In the narration it talks about the conquering of Mecca which was in the 8th year of Hijrah the Muslims left from Medina, headed out towards Mecca in the 8th year of Hijri in Ramadan. It was in Ramadan when they headed out towards Mecca. So that morning everybody was obviously fasting. They were all fasting that morning. They got ready, they headed out, headed out towards Mecca and they were all fasting. It was Ramadan, another day of Ramadan. So they were all fasting up until they got to a place called Qura' al-Ghamim on the way. And everybody was fasting so far. But then it mentions that some people, obviously it started to become a great difficulty upon them. All of them. It started to become a great difficulty upon them all to fast. Traveling in those days in the desert, in the heat, out walking, just the camels and the horses, 30, 40, 50 degrees, all of that difficulty with fasting and traveling on foot and on camels, etc. So, they had been traveling all day fasting when it got to near Asr time. People went to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, it's become a real difficulty on everyone. And they're just waiting to see what you're going to do. So then the Prophet ﷺ told them to bring him a bowl of water. He then raised the bowl of water in front of them all so they could all see. And then in front of them all he drank it. So this was around about Asr time. Still in the day of fasting. That all showed, that showed to all of them that the Prophet 
was not fasting. He'd opened his fast. And the reason being because they were traveling. So the Prophet ﷺ showed them all that you don't have to fast when traveling. All this burden and difficulty, everybody can open their fasts. So they did. But a few of them insisted on carrying on fasting. Even though you can imagine from Fajr till Asr, walking, 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 even in this country, in this weather, if you walked from Fajr till Asr, Imagine in, the, in those days in the Arabian Peninsula with the heat and the desert and the sand, walking all day, but some people insisted on carrying on fasting, even with that difficulty. So the Prophet ﷺ said, those ones are the sinners, the ones who are carrying on fasting whilst we are traveling. So the narration indicates very clearly the permissibility of not having to fast when you are traveling. It also seems to indicate that those who do fast when they are traveling are sinners. That's what this narration seems to indicate. That you don't fast when you're traveling. The Prophet ﷺ got the water, drank it in front of all of them to show them. We're traveling, we're not fasting. But some people insisted on carrying on. The Prophet ﷺ said they are sinners. Hadith therefore indicates when you're traveling, don't fast. If you do, you're sinners. That's what it seems to indicate. We do have another narration you need to bear in mind alongside it though. Hadith of Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami. Radiyallahu anhu. He said... يا رسول الله أو مسنجر الله إني أجد بقوة على الصيام في السفر فهل علي جناح that oh messenger of Allah I find strength in of myself to be able to fast when I'm traveling so is there any issue with that is there any sin upon me for that to fast when I'm traveling because I've got the ability, I've got the strength. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ So the messenger وسلم, said to him, هِيَ رُخْصَةٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ فَمَنْ أَخَذَ بِهَا فَحَسَنٌ وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يَصُومُ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِ That it is a license, a permission, an ease that Allah has given you, that you can miss fasting when you're traveling. So whoever takes that ease Allah has given you, then that is good. It's good to take the ease Allah has given you. But whoever wants to fast, then there's no sin upon them. So this narration again indicates that when you're traveling, you don't have to be fasting. But it also indicates that if you're traveling and you want to fast, you can and there's no issue. So how do we combine between these two narrations? The previous one seemed to be indicating that there's a problem if you fast whilst traveling. 
This one indicates no problem if you want to fast when you're traveling. So how do we combine between the two narrations? It's all about ability. In this hadith, the companion said he is fit and healthy and able. He has strength. He can do it. Not a problem. In that case, the Prophet said, okay, if you want to take the ease Allah's given you still, take it. But if you don't, and you've got the ability, and you want to fast, that's okay. In the previous narration, why did the Prophet say they are sinners then? Because they clearly did not have the ability. Traveling from Fajr till Asr in the heat and the desert, ability is gone. They didn't have it. They had a great burden upon themselves, yet they were trying to struggle through. And in that situation, you don't. So when a person doesn't have ability, doesn't have the strength, then in that case, you're not supposed to be fasting when traveling. Only a person in a circumstance where he is able, has ability, strength, no problem, then he has the choice. He can still miss if he wants, even if he's got ability, everything. He can still miss because he is at the end of the day a traveler and Allah has given the ease and the permission for travelers to miss. But if he decides, I don't want to leave a day to make up afterwards, I'm able to fast anyway when I'm traveling, I might as well fast, then he can do that. But which is better? A person who is able to fast, should he choose to fast when traveling in that case? Or should he choose to take it off anyway? He should choose to take it off anyway. He should choose to fast. Why choose to take it off anyway? It's a concession Allah has given you, but why is that better? That's what some of the scholars mention. In Allah loves that you take the concessions He gives you. Allah loves that you take the ease that He gives you. So when Allah gives you an ease somewhere, in some ruling of the religion, then Allah loves that you take the ease He's giving you. So now, when you're traveling, Allah is giving you the ease that you don't have to fast when you're traveling. It's good to take the ease Allah has given you. Allah loves that you take the ease He gives you. So, some scholars will say, even if you've got the ability, you should take the ease. Take the concession, because Allah loves that you take the concessions He is giving you. But the other opinion is, you should fast. If you have the ability, then fast. What's the reasoning they give? Well, technically there is, because Allah loves that you take the concessions. But almost, almost... I was what? No, no, once you're traveling, you're traveling, regardless. They say, the fasting of Ramadan, it's obviously an obligation. If you miss that day and you take the concession, then that obligation remains upon your responsibility. The general rule, generally, in the religion is, the earlier you can fulfill your obligations, the better. That's a general type of thing. You have the ability to fulfill an obligation now rather than delay it, then fulfill it now. 
rather than leaving an obligation and responsibility upon your shoulders for later. And you don't know what may occur later. You don't know how the situation may change, what may happen. Who knows? So rather than leaving obligations delayed upon your shoulders, they say if you have the ability, you should hasten to fulfill the obligations there and then. So if you have the ability to fast when traveling, in that case, hasten to fulfill the obligation now, rather than leaving that responsibility, that burden on your shoulders for later. So there's a difference on that. It's open to uh, the opinions. You're allowed to do either if you're traveling and you have ability. You can miss it anyway if you want, or you can fast if you like. Both are permissible. But somebody who's not able, then they don't have a choice. They have to. Miss, if you're not able to fast, you don't have the ability, then that type of person needs to miss. I'll make it up afterwards. The next narration of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma qal, Rukhisa lishaykh al-kabir an yuftir, wa yut'um an kulli yawmin miskina. That it has, another concession has been given, another ease. And that is for somebody elderly in age. Somebody very elderly in age has been given a concession that they can miss fasting. If, of course, due to their elderliness in age and frailty and weakness, they can no longer fast. They're not able to fast anymore as a consequence of their elderly age. So in that case, a concession has been given to them. They don't have to try and fast. They're too old and, and frail and weak to fast now. They don't have to. Concession given to them. Instead, what do they have to do then? The fidya. They have to feed a poor person for every day they miss. Feed a poor person for every day they miss. That is the ruling for the elderly in age. Those who are not able to fast anymore due to the weakness and frailty of their bodies. Therefore, we have come across a few categories now. A few categories of people who don't have to fast. Who can name them then? What categories of people have we come across that are allowed to miss the fasting? Category 1. Traveler, we just done it. So one category of people who are allowed to miss fasting, they're travelers. Travelers, if you are on a journey, you're traveling, you're allowed to miss fasting. What is considered a journey? That's another topic in of itself. Some scholars gave uh, actual figures of 80 kilometers, approximately 49, 50 miles. So if you go that distance or beyond, you are now a traveler. Lesser than that distance, you are not a traveler. Other scholars say, no, it's just about your city. Once you leave the boundaries of your city, you're outside of the boundaries of your city, you're a traveler now. So that could be just a few miles away. Differences of opinion on that. But the traveler, once he's traveling, is allowed to miss. A few issues with that, though. So let's say tomorrow you're going to be traveling. Tomorrow you're going to be traveling. You have a ticket booked. On the plane, 2 o'clock it leaves. 2 p.m. So now, what's the ruling for you tomorrow? 
You fast? You're traveling tomorrow, your plane ticket booked for 2 p.m. I see. So that is the opinion of some of the scholars. When are you going to become a traveler tomorrow? At 2 p.m. approximately, when you get on the plane, takes off, goes up to Manchester Airport. You're still in Manchester. You're not really a traveler for the residents of Manchester. So once the, you're in the plane, it's going to take off. Now you become a traveler. That's going to be 2 p.m. From 4 a.m., 3, 3 a.m. till 2 p.m., you're still relaxing right here in your hometown. You haven't gone anywhere. So are you a traveler yet? You're not going to be a traveler until you get in the plane and it takes off and goes. So up until 2 o'clock, what do you have to do? Fast, according to some of the scholars. They say right now, up until 2 p.m., you're not a traveler. You're still here in your home city, even at the airport. You're still here around the corner. You haven't gone anywhere yet. You haven't traveled yet. So they say up until then, you have your suhoor, everything, and you're fasting. 2 o'clock you get into the plane, it takes off. They bring around the snacks and everything. Now you can take them and open your fast and relax. Now you are traveling. So you can have the meals, you can get the menu, you can choose what you want. But before that, you're not traveling yet. They say you should not be eating or anything yet. You're fasting yet. Because what happens if you go to the airport? 2 o'clock they say something's happened, flight canceled, tomorrow your flight now. So you're going to come drive back 20 minutes back to your house again from the airport. So all day you ended up not traveling at all in that case. So why were you not fasting? In that case, the scholars say you should fast up until you actually become a traveler. Other scholars though say that it's not a condition. You know you are traveling tomorrow or that is what is absolutely expected. You got your ticket paid, booked, confirmed, seat number, everything. It is absolutely expected to be traveling tomorrow. In that case, the scholars say you don't have to fast from the morning. You can miss from the morning, you don't have to fast. Since there are some narrations of some of the Salaf when they intended to travel on a particular day, they didn't fast from the morning. When they knew they were going to be traveling on that day. So there's a difference regarding that. Uh, some of them say, only start opening your fast and eating once you become a traveler. Others say, on that day you fully plan and intend to travel, then from the morning you don't have to fast. That is that. Also, one more point regarding the traveling. Some of the scholars do mention, if the traveling is for a haram purpose, then you do not have the right to miss fasting. So, somebody now is going to travel down tomorrow to London. Typically, that's a journey, and you're allowed to miss the fasting. But this particular individual is going down to London to finish off and to round up a drugs deal. He's going to go down to London to round off a drugs deal, hand over the cash, put it into his car, stuff it under the seat, and he's going to bring it back. So his purpose of traveling down to London tomorrow is a haram reason. Haram reason in the first place. He is a traveler for a haram purpose. Therefore the scholars say you have no right to miss fasting. If that type of person even fasts. But he wouldn't have the right to miss fasting because his journey is a haram journey to begin with. And that's why scholars say as well, it's not appropriate for a person to try and get clever with the rulings and purposely 
go traveling, say to himself, let's go down, go, go down to some, some place somewhere outside of Manchester so we can be travelers tomorrow, take the day off. You don't do that type of thing either. That's not suitable or befitting of a Muslim either. So that is regarding the traveler, category one of people who can miss fasting. Category two, just mentioned it right now. Old age, somebody very old in age. So before we move on, the category one, a traveler who misses fasting, the ruling is afterwards he has to make them up. Anytime. So now it's summer. It's not a condition when you make them up, it's got to be 18 hours long too. You could make them up in winter, 9 hours, 10 hours. Doesn't make a difference. You're making up the day of fasting. Second category, elderly in age who are no longer able to fast because of their weakness and their frailty. They can miss. But the ruling for them is fidya. They got to feed a poor person for every day they miss. Doesn't have to be a different poor person. Could be one poor person that they know. Every day they go give him a meal. 30 days, 29 days, 30 days, they go and give that poor person a meal every day, that is covering it. In this country, people often send it abroad elsewhere. It's allowed. Uh, uh, when people do that, you will typically just send money, and then the organization who's taking care of it for you, they'll go buy the food and give it. Because you don't give money to the poor, it's buying a meal, the actual meal for the poor person. Not the money, go buy your meal. So you can send money to mosques and organizations who then go buy the food and distribute it on your behalf. When you do that, do you have to send the three pounds or whatever it is per day every day? Or can you send it all in one go? It doesn't make a big difference. Some scholars, they do say you have to wait up until Maghrib of that day because that's when the day is completed and now the fidya is upon you. Prior to Maghrib, the fidya isn't upon you yet. Maghrib comes in, now the day of fasting has finished and you haven't done it, now fidya is upon you. But it's not a huge thing, as Sheikh Bin Baz said, you could send it all in one go for the whole 30 days, you're elderly, old in age, you know, you're not going to be fasting. You can send it all and then they purchase the food and give it to one poor person for every day. Third category of people who are allowed to miss fasting. Before that, something else? Before that? Sick. The people who are ill, people who are sick or ill, that's the third category of people who can miss fasting. That though has to be defined. Somebody ill or sick, when does it become permissible for them to miss fasting? You wake up and you got a slight headache and you think to yourself, that's it, I'm not going to fast today. You got a paper cut on your finger, that's it, you're not going to fast today. Will that be allowed? Of course not. Paper cut and a plaster on your finger doesn't make you ill enough not to fast. So what is the criteria for illness that allows you to miss fasting? Doesn't have to be long term. There's a few things to take note of. One is, you've got some type of illness... If you were to fast during this illness, whatever you've got, it would cause you pain. Because of that illness, you try fasting, it's going to cause you significant pain. Okay, you can miss in that case. Or, maybe it doesn't really cause you more pain, but by you fasting whilst you've got this illness, it's going to make the recovery time longer. Longer. 
You're going to end up taking a week or two weeks longer to get better because you're not getting the nutrients and the water, etc. in your body with this illness. It's going to take you extra time to get better. It's going to delay the recovery process. In that case, you can miss the fasting. So if it's going to increase your pain, it's going to increase your recovery time. Those are the types of things to take into consideration when deciding whether an illness can allow you to miss fasting. If none of that's going to occur, you got a slight headache, hardly going to make a difference to anything. A slight headache, a bit of rest even when you're fasting, an hour of sleep, you wake up and the headache's gone. That type of thing isn't really anything to prevent you from fasting. So it's got to be something causing you pain, something going to cause you to delay in your recovery. Those types of things is what you would take into consideration. So, a person who has those types of symptoms then, can miss the fasting. What's the ruling though? He has to make them up afterwards. Depends. Depends on the type of illness. Basically, if it's a temporary illness where you are expected to recover, somebody gets a serious flu in Ramadan for a week. No problem. You got a fever, you got a flu. A week, you'll be better again. It's a temporary illness where you are expected to recover a week, two weeks, whatever it takes. Temporary illnesses where you are expected to recover, then the ruling is you can miss, and then afterwards you have to make up the days. But illnesses where you are not expected to recover. You got some problem, some illness, and those symptoms are there, pain or issues like that, and you can't fast. But at the same time, doctors are telling you, we don't really know if you're ever going to get better. This thing you've got with your stomach or this or that, we don't really know if that's ever going to go away. You're going to have to be on this course of medication every day, regularly. We don't really have much of a success rate for this to be cured. All our previous patients, there's, we don't really expect you to get better from this. So in that case, what are you going to do now? You can miss your fasting, but what are you going to do otherwise? You can't wait to get better and fast again. Doctors are telling you, we don't even know if you're going to get better. We don't expect you to recover from this. It's going to stay with you. So then what do you do? Fidya. If it's a long illness like that, where you're not expected to really ever recover from it, you're just going to be like that forever, for the rest of your life, medication, whatever. In that case, you just feed a poor person for every day. Because you're not expected to get better to be able to make them up afterwards. So it depends on the type of illness. Temporary, you're going to get better, inshallah. It's expected to get better. Even if it takes six months, doctor says you got some problem, some issue, course of medication, six months recovery, all these things we do. But normally our patients, about six months, they get fully recovered. No problem. You can miss Ramadan now. Six months later in winter, you can start making up your fast when you recovered. When you're expected to recover, you wait for your recovery and you start making up. You're not really expected to recover. In that case, you can give the fidya. So, two types of illness, two rulings. That was the third category. Fourth category of people who can miss the fasting. The women on the period and the women who've just given birth. Postnatal bleeding. Those two categories or those two types must miss the fasting. They don't even have an option. A woman who's on the period is not allowed to fast. A woman who's just given birth and she's on the postnatal bleeding is not allowed to fast. What's the ruling for them? 
when the period finishes afterwards they're gonna make up the days postnatal bleeding only lasts 40 days or so after that make up the fasts so the woman on the period or the woman on the postnatal bleeding are gonna make up the fasts afterwards the last thing to mention then women who are pregnant and breastfeeding this one there's a lot of debate about some scholars say a woman who is pregnant or breastfeeding has the automatic right to miss fasting just like somebody who's ill if you're ill and it's going to cause you harm and pain you have the right to miss fasting or somebody who's traveling automatically the right to miss fasting others say no a woman who's pregnant or breastfeeding doesn't have any automatic right to miss fasting it all just depends on whether she has a need a woman who's breastfeeding if she fasts then she's not going to be able to produce milk in that case she can miss the fasting a woman who's uh, pregnant it's going to cause harm to her baby to fast her health isn't good enough to fast 18 19 hours going to cause problems for her and the baby she can miss but a woman who is mashallah no problems nothing doctor says even if you fast we don't expect any issue whatsoever she herself doesn't have any problem then she should fast just because she's pregnant isn't an automatic right breastfeeding she notices that she has plenty of milk even with the fasting it doesn't seem to deplete even if it does deplete nowhere near of any levels of worry enough for the baby everything she should fast in that case so some scholars say it goes back to looking at the reasonings for the pregnant and the breastfeeding women others say no automatically if she's breastfeeding or pregnant she can miss so that's an issue the second issue is what's upon them let's say they do miss what do they have to do afterwards that is debated too some scholars say a pregnant or breastfeeding woman if she misses afterwards she has to make them up others they say no pregnant and breastfeeding women don't have to make anything up they just give the fidya for every day they miss and that is again a big debated issue and there's lots of uh, different points the scholars make regarding it the last topic we'll briefly mention today short class today we have the Bradford event going on uh, soon the short class, uh, the short uh, point to make at the end is regarding the last issue in the chapter, which is the ruling on intimacy during fasting. So, is it permissible to kiss between the spouses when fasting? Yes? <laughs> Did the Prophet ﷺ ever kiss his wives whilst fasting? Yes, absolutely, in the hadith. But Aisha anha said, that he could control himself far more any, than any of you. So the scholar said, the youth, those who are young, 20s, 30s, 40s, they should not engage in kissing or intimacy whilst fasting because it could lead on to something that breaks your fast and expiations are needed where somebody old in age and the desire is not like that anymore and they can control the affair then it's allowed the second point is what if now an individual does end up in intercourse what's the ruling there are three things there's an expiation firstly to free a slave if you're not able then to fast two months in a row if you're not able then to feed 60, 60 people that's the three in order 
So if you can't free a slave, it would be two months consecutive every day of fasting. If you couldn't do that, health reasons, whatever, then it's the feeding of the poor people. That is mentioned in a narration too, where a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him that I've ended up committing intercourse and that was the expiation given to him. We're going to round off there briefly today. Uh, the event is now on in Bradford and we're going to head over there inshallah. That is briefly the chapter of uh, fasting anyway, the first section of it. Second section is I'tikaf and Laylat al-Qadr and the last 10 nights. We haven't been able to do it here, but the uh, Liverpool classes, they've all finished with the full chapter of the I'tikaf, Laylat al-Qadr, the last 10 nights, everything. So you can catch up those on the audio from the same book, inshallah. So we'll round off there then.